1: Hello and welcome to the H two P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host Gary Morgan. With me, as always, the beat writer for Pitt Athletics over at DK Pittsburgh Sports, Corey Kristen. How you doing, brother? Uh,
0: for as much as I love the pleasantries, Gary, I, I just want to get right into it. What I we want saw yesterday. Right I, I mean, I mean, honestly, man. <laughs> All right, so.
1: Corey was in the middle of a nice plate of nachos, had a story most of the way written, and then Pitt screwed him in the last five minutes as most beat reporters that I know of who cover these games, when the entire tide of the story changes in the last couple minutes, we tend to have some angry bears out there. so let's <laughs> let's get into it, man. I mean, it was a pretty evenly played game. Pitt took the lead late, gave up the lead late. A whole lot happened on the way there. You've got thoughts. I'm just going to let unfiltered Corey go after
0: it. <laughs> I'm not going to be too off the hinges on this. You have to find a way to win that game. You're playing a th- against a third-string quarterback. You know what's on the horizon with Notre Dame and Florida State. Two games that are not winnable. Let's just be blunt, okay? Notre Dame's a much better team than Pitt is. Florida State is a way much better team than Pitt is. You could not afford to lose this game right. against Wake Forest. You couldn't do it. And you couldn't afford to lose it in the manner that they did. Pitt found every dumb way imaginable to throw this game away. Christian Veyer threw for 300 yards. Bub Means caught 100 yards. Sebo Flemister ran for 100 yards. And Pitt still found a way to lose to a third-string quarterback. In Wake Forest and a defense that's not that good. Obviously, the slide is the big thing that's going to get looked at, right? The spot of Christian Veyer's slide. Was he got did he get the first down? Was he short? Was he in? Was he out? That's subjective. That's up to you to determine. That's up to obviously an official to determine. And that's what happened. And that's what that play came down to. But for me, Gary, it's the 1,000 other really dumb things that Pitt did to lose this football game. Case in point, the Donovan McMillan double unsportsmanlike on the same play that drove Pitt from, I think it was the 38 back to the seven or something like that. Yep. You can't do it. You just can't do it. This team is undisciplined. This team is inexperienced. This team is not ready. For any kind of big moment. They're just not. The game against Louisville. Gone. Forget it. Out the window. The win against Louisville is out the window. Pitt has to reset now. You wanted to see signs. Of building off of a win like that. Against Louisville. You wanted to see Christian Veyer do exactly what he did. On Saturday. But you needed everything else that came along with it. You didn't need dumb mistakes from the defense. You didn't need. An absolute choke job of a a final drive by that defense. Wake Forest melted down the field on that final drive. 33 seconds into the end zone, walk-off touchdown with seven seconds to play. No excuse, no reason. And yeah, Allen mentions it, the 30-yard punt. Bad punting, bad defense, bad special teams. Allen asks, why isn't that call reviewable? It's just not. It simply is just not, there's nothing in the rule book that determines you can review the spot of a slide. It is a completely subjective judgment call made on the field. So that play is not reviewable. Now the argument could have been made that it would have been reviewable if he picked up the first down. That's a little bit different, but he was not ruled to get the first down. This is to my understanding that it could have been ruled if he got the first down, but I don't think that would have been the case. Obviously, it wasn't if and when he didn't get the first down. It was not ruled past the line of game. So the Vaer slide is one thing in and of itself. It's just one of the many really dumb things that Pitt did in order to lose this game to Wake Forest, a game that they could not simply afford to lose.
1: Yeah, we said it last week. You know, they had to win all these games they were supposed to win. And they still had to beat a ranked team, such as Notre Dame that they have next week, right? Yeah. So there was no room for a misstep. This was a game that they just couldn't afford to lose. We talked about that all night. Here we are again, though. They're getting gouged on the ground by Desmond Claiborne. He's really the only player you have to worry about with a third string quarterback, right? It just seemed like on no facet of this team, are they ready and focused?
0: It is very clear that this defense is not ready to be in this moment. Losing six NFL guys does impact the defense and losing the ACC defensive player of the year does impact the defense and before the game, I saw the travel roster, and I'm like, oh, no Braylon Lovelace, no Kyle Lewis. That's going to hurt Pitt. And like, I, and then I had to think to myself again. I'm like, whoa, wait, no Braylon Lovelace, no Kyle Lewis. That's going to hurt Pitt. I'm talking about a true freshman and then a redshirt freshman who was buried down the depth chart last year as major pieces to a now Pat Narduzzi defense. Nick Lappie's getting snaps. No disrespect to Nick Lappie, but he's a former walk-on. You shouldn't be playing former walk-ons at this level. You just shouldn't. You just shouldn't in an ACC game where you had to win the ball game. You just, Pat Narduzzi had to walk into Winston-Salem, North Carolina and win the ball game. That is what Pitt had to do. And they couldn't do it against a really bad ACC team. And now this team season is officially over. It's not officially over, but it's 90% over 99% over, right? Throw the ball idea out the window, throw it all out the window. Because now Pitt has to beat Syracuse, Boston College, and at least two ranked opponents out of three to close the regular season, or else bowl eligibility is out the window. My best guess right now, Gary, is that four and eight is realistic as of a record for this right. team. Five and seven, if they're lucky. I mean, that's what we're talking about with the, with this fall of this Pitt program right now. And look. Look, the development of the players is a big chip in Pat Narduzzi's back, right? He has to be able to develop these prospects, these three-star guys, because he can't get the four stars because Penn State gets all the four stars and Ohio State gets all the four stars and, and the five stars. That's just how this goes. Pitt is reverting back to old ways. Maybe Kenny Pickett was Kenny Pickett. Maybe having six NFL guys on the defense last year got them to where they got to. Maybe having a top-ranked defense in addition to Kenny Pickett is the reason why they won the ACC championship. It's not coming together for these Panthers. It just is not. They don't have the personnel to make up for all of the deficiencies that, forget the offense, I'm talking about defense now. I thought after the Louisville game, this is the defense that we can see on a week-to-week basis. This is the defense that is going to carry Pitt to a potential bull berth. That's out the window now. You can't point, lose to Wake Forest and be optimistic about anything.
1: At this point, for me, I, I kind of look at it like almost like a Pirates rebuilding season, right? Sorry. But I, I mean, that's my roots. Sure. I i think I look at it in that fashion. I'm i am hoping to basically pull a prospect out of this year. I want Christian Veyer to be my quarterback next year. He will so, be. Well, he so the be. rest of this year, I want... To just keep seeing what I saw from him, they asked him to throw the ball forty-five times, which I, th- I thought was a little bit insane for <laughs> like,
0: you know double for, when he threw the last game.
1: I and it also just wasn't playing out like that type of ball game. It it just didn't need to be that way. I I felt like they abandoned the run very quickly, and I was I was shocked by it, especially since CBA Flemister was getting the job done. You know I. I was just confused by what they were doing. I thought Veer and Bob Means had good chemistry again. It just, for whatever reason, if you told me that Bob Means and Christian Veer were going to have the numbers they did, I'd have told you they were going to win, and I'd have told you it'd have been a heck of a lot more than
0: twenty-one points. And if C both ran for a hundred on top of that, right, hundred-yard rusher, hundred-yard receiver, and a three-hundred-yard passer, they lost the ball game to a third-string quarterback. That's your one-sentence summation of what Pitt just did on Saturday. Again, the Vayair slide is what it is, and Pitt could have recovered from that. You can't let a third-string quarterback melt down your defense in 33 seconds for the game-winning touchdown. You just well, can't do it. Let's not a slide defense it to a
1: break, like, even if we're a little late, too.
0: Not a defense like this. Let's go to the break. <laughs>
1: all right welcome back to the h2p podcast here on dk pittsburgh sports Corey and gary both exhausted from trying to cover that wake forest game that was just not fun football really that's probably the best way to say it i didn't feel like that was a an enjoyable football game and i don't care who i was rooting for it was just poorly played on both sides of the ball and it shouldn't have been
0: got boring to watch but after Pitt's first drive of the game, the game got boring up until the final five minutes. I mean, that's bottom line. Things happened, but nothing happened at the same time.
1: Yeah, and you shouldn't say that about a tight ball game. You know, like I've seen a lot of football games that were very low scoring that were entertaining the whole time. This one just felt like it was lack of execution or poorly timed penalties more than anything. So let's look forward. Got Notre Dame this, this week. 3.30 kickoff. We, we didn't have great feelings about this game to begin with, but, you know, they're the 14th, 15th, whatever day it is, ranked team in the country. They've got a really good transfer quarterback. They're humming along for the most part offensively. Pitts beat the only team that beat them. Um, I, I guess those are your reasons for optimism.
0: <laughs> what else do you got? Nothing. I I, I don't. I, I don't. This is a Notre Dame team that was one play away from beating Ohio State on the same field Pitt's about to go play on. Sam Hartman is just unbelievable right now. I mentioned it on a previous show. For my money, he's the best incoming transfer to a new school this year in all of college football. He's made a world of a difference for this Notre Dame football program. And in turn, this pro-style offense that Notre Dame is running is tremendously benefiting Sam Hartman. It's a really good relationship over there in South Bend. I have very little, if any, confidence that Pitt is going to walk into South Bend and win on Saturday. And, and, of course, a lot of it is based on what I just saw against the Demon Deacons. No doubt about that. But I don't know what encouraging signs other than Christian's play that I can point to. Like, Sibo rushing for 100 is a positive. The offensive line played better. But now you have to go do that against Notre Dame and then against Florida State. And now this gauntlet of a schedule to close the season, three ranked opponents in five games, when Pitt has the record they have, it's really hard to feel good about, yeah, Pitt has a, has a good chance against this team. Or yeah, yeah, Pitt has a good chance at that team. And meanwhile, I sat in the press box before kickoff and watched Boston College beat the doors off of Georgia Tech. So Boston College suddenly isn't, a, a cupcake gimme game either. And then you have to go to the Bronx and play Syracuse. And let me tell you as an orange alum, there's a lot of orange alums out in New York city. So this is nothing to be like taken lightly right here. I, I mean, a loss to wake forest is a lock to it lost to wake forest, but I am not going to downplay anything. In fact, I'm might be sensationalizing some things, but I don't think I am either. I I'm just not, confident in Pitt's ability to go into South Bend and win this football game
1: yeah i, I I'm kind of glad I, I don't have to like get your your sanity checked because <laughs> there's nothing that leads you to believe that that they really should be in this i I will say there are a couple interesting notes I mean they do have some experience facing Sam Hartman yeah you know and uh they've probably scouted him pretty extensively in the past for for what he likes and doesn't like. I'm just not sure they have the tools to take advantage of it. That's that's my main concern defensively. I just don't see that. In the secondary, I know what I know what Pat Narduzzi's doing with them. I it's the same thing he's done with all of his defensive backs for years. Sure. This group in particular, boy, they could use a little bit of zone every once in a while just to kind of <laughs> give themselves a break because. Man coverage is just not their forte.
0: I would like to say that they're going to employ something. Ryan here in the YouTube comments mentions, if you're Narduzzi, what do you do? I don't know what he can do from this point. Like you have to roll out what you have. You have to go with the system that you have thrived on and have done so well with for eight seasons. Now, if you're Pat Narduzzi, you have to find a way to make chicken salad. If you know what I mean, yeah. I think you go with the rest of the phrases, like defense and offense. the The offensive line is banged up. Cradle came back, great. It's going through a shift. He didn't play center; he played guard. He's been a center for the last two years. The linebacking core is injured. You don't have Servasi Dennis anymore. That death is suddenly gone. The defensive backs look. Williams got burnt quite a bit, and he committed a couple of really dumb penalties. And then, of course, the Devonshire interception, although what good did it really do? I mean, I guess it gave Pitt the football, but McMillan comes over and drags the guy five yards, literally off the pile and drives him back to the seven. So like, what do you do? Tell him to commit to stop committing dumb penalties. Number one. Number two, you have to find a way to get Sam Hartman off the field. That is what your goal should be. This Saturday, if Pin has a puncher's chance on Mike Tyson's punch out for the NES, they legitimately have to find a way to keep Sam Hartman off the field as much as possible. Run the football at will. Make Christian throw it downfield. Like, I, I, I just I I wish I was able to eloquently explain this better, but it's literally the answer is be better with what you have. And I don't know if Pitt can do that. I don't know the ceiling of some of these new guys that we're seeing stepping in because they're new guys.
1: I think it, it presents them with a good challenge for the rest of the year. I could see them flip a switch to maybe playing some some more underclassmen. If I didn't already feel they were playing so many underclassmen to begin with, which is kind of part of the problem, you know. So there's we talk about what can Narduzzi do. I don't think there is much. So, let's move on to to basketball because uh, Pitts hoops starts you know November sixth. We're getting there. I can't wait. Um, today was the uh, ACC meeting down there in North Carolina, where it always is. But I wanted to start with uh, the national media's take on Pitt's basketball chances this year. Yep. Most of the, the big names, the who's who's, the giant heads, the talking heads have all decided who's who and where they're going to finish. You know, CBS Sports thinks ninth in the conference. Um, Matt Norlander thinks they are the 81st team in the nation. Okay. So <laughs> number 79 I see here. Yeah. 86 there's a lot of that a lot of the same thing there was last time number 13 out of 15 in the acc i see from the almanac what's your take on all this this is a lot of what they and admittedly we felt before the season last year
0: uh and while it's not of course biblical by any means uh ken palm had pit at 62 So if you believe in the Ken Palm, which I am a firm believer in the Ken Palm, as far as like a measure, I don't think it's end all be all, um, but I think it's a good measure. So 62, all things considered, is a pretty good spot to be at least preseason. Sure. As we've talked about with this pit basketball team, and we're shifting to a brighter note here, thankfully, um, a lot of it's going to depend, like we've talked about on Blake Henson and how he elevates and how he's able to create and make his uh, teammates better, right? It's like it probably Bob Carrington by this point at point guard, if I had to get a feel for it, Zach Austin, Federico, that's like Lear's starting five right now. He has to find ways to create for others. Whereas last year he had Jamarius Burton to do that for him. Like this team to me, it almost feels like Duke football this year. Remember what we talked about for Duke football where we thought they could be the third best team in the ACC or the ninth best team in the ACC. And there's no in between. Yeah. Well, I feel like for Pitt, they're either going to be again, like last year, really good or really bad. And I don't know what the, I don't know what the ceiling is for them. That's the thing. Like, I think the ceiling for Pitt is maybe a buy in the ACC tournament, a single buy, if it, you know, getting one of those top yeah. um, eight seeds. But again, that's really hard right now. Just similar concept. To the beginning of last year, we just don't know Leggett, Low, uh, Carrington, Austin, uh, Hewitt. We just don't know what these transfers are yet, and how they're going to gel and mesh. Yes, they 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 could beat Georgetown and all the secret scrimmages that they want, but when they have to go face you know Missouri and Florida and then Clemson early season, they're going to have to really button up. And they're going to have to have it figured out pretty quickly. And remember last year against after the Michigan game where they lost by 30, we're sitting here like, this is what we expected. The season's doomed. And then, of course, it wasn't. So you would expect them to be a bit more buttoned up going into the start of this season.
1: Right. I I think so, too. And I'm excited, I think, because while I don't expect the record to be exciting, I think the basketball team, itself is going to be a fun watch this year they are going to be athletic i think they have some some good returning characters that we're already pretty familiar with that that i think a lot of people are going to enjoy seeing another year development with it it still i think is going to be an entertaining basketball season and as far as the ceiling i think what you said is really appropriate i think to be in that top eight ish I think
0: is a good goal for them to set. No reason for that not to be achievable. I don't see an NCAA tournament team with this team. Um, I don't see many coming out of the ACC this year, to be frank. Five, maybe six. When I think of Duke, UNC, Miami, Virginia, and Clemson. Those are about the only five I see coming out of the ACC this year for the NCAA tournament. So... I'm not saying it's open because it's really not, but the middle of the pack there, seemingly there's going to be some positioning that they're going to have to, you know, obviously overcome in a tough ACC this year.
1: Well, let's take another quick break and we'll come back. Let's wrap up with a few uh, comments and things that we had uh, thoughts on from basketball tip off media day. Alright, we're back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Gary and Corey with you. We're going to talk about a little bit of what came up at the uh, ACC press conference. It's a yearly event. These things are pretty dry, typically. There was some good stuff from Mish Leggett that I thought was pretty cool talking about um, why he chose Pitt as the school uh, to, to transfer to and you know, what specifically about the culture he liked.
0: Yeah. And you know what? A lot of it is what's already been iterated by Jeff Capel, players of the pit, uh, you know, pit players and everything. And it's a lot of what they built last year. You know, this took a buy-in as Jeff Capel has said, and he had to kind of resell that buy-in to a bunch of, a bunch of kids, right? Right. You know, low, Leggett Carrington, Austin, Hewitt, those transfers, those freshmen, he had to resell the buy-in. And I think it helps tremendously, at least in Leggett's favor, that he doesn't have to be the one, per se. Meaning, he doesn't have to, I'm not talking about point guard, I'm talking about the one that has to draw all the attention. I think that when you get transfers like this, like Ish Leggett, for example, and Zach Austin, I think you're looking for guys that are going to fill in nicely along with what the core of the team is. And I think in them paraphrasing things that they said, they believe in the core. They believe in Federico, the twins, Blake Henson, the coaching staff, Tim O'Toole, Milan Brown, Jeff Capel, all of those guys that made what last year's team was. remember, They brought in all these new transfers, all five of the starting five last year. Four of them transferred in last year and one of them transferred in the year before with JB. And this had to quickly turn around for what we saw last year to happen. It helps that proof is in the pudding, right? And Jeff Cable was asked about, like, basically, what has the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament runs done for you? And he talked about how they were great for the city, for the team, for the program, and he's right. He's a hundred percent right. You know, if yeah. we talk about the cliche of putting pit basketball back on the map. This is the evidence of it. When these transfers, like Ish Leggett, are saying, "This is what I was sold on, and I believe in it, and I see it."
1: Yeah, I I think that everything Capel said in the in, in the uh, press availability here this afternoon was pretty much. Clicheville, you know. That's but what it these was, are. something. but it was though. really interesting though. Somebody did ask him specifically about why the the team is getting taller. You know, over the years, like is it just something you noticed and then you start recruiting that? But his answer on that was pretty good. He, he just said uh, probably as a head coach, you know, really good. Defensively, I thought last year we made a huge jump offensively. If you look at our numbers, it was easy to do from the first four years because we were bad everywhere. <laughs> yeah, But I think he acknowledges that, but it's also, you know, it gives you a little bit of a window of like how the team has come to, to target some of the guys they have. And I guess sometimes you start to think it's like a bingo card they're almost looking at by when, the, when there's so much portal play. But he had some targets in mind that were purposeful.
0: A quick question from Alan in the YouTube comments. He asked, how's the Pitt women's basketball team look? Now, that's hard to say at this stage. With Lance White being fired, Tori Verdi coming in, really successful coach at Eastern Michigan and at UMass, really built those programs back up into something. And the key word there is something. Pitt lost a lot of pieces, obviously, through the transfer portal. However, there are two major ones, Marley Washington's and Leontu King, along with Gabby Hutcherson, a former Ohio State transfer, are really going to be the ones, along with Ainsley Malcolm, that really have to hit the ground running for this team. I don't know what they're going to do this year. I, I can't realistically put a finger on it because so much is new new head coach, new staff, I think nine new transfers. I mean, it's a lot. It's, it's up there. Point is, there's a ton of unknown around this pit women's basketball team. And this ACC and the women is. Stacked. I mean, it's like it's for my money. It's the top two women's basketball conference in the country, maybe behind the SEC. I, I, I think it's that good. The ACC, as far as women's basketball goes. So yeah, Tory Verdi's going to have his work cut out for him. It's going to be tough at the beginning, but that's how this goes when you're in a total rebuild, like this women's basketball program is right now.
1: Good stuff, though. Um and I think all in all, next week, you know, we'll, we'll recap this Notre Dame game. Hopefully, we'll get some nuggets out of that of positivity, at least, you know. i like to just see them at least play them tough. You know, that's, that's kind of the best thing you can hope for, and good quarterback play, good, clean quarterback play. Let's keep him healthy so that he has a good spring, right?
0: <laughs> and you want to see development. You want to see steps. You want to see strides, and... If there was a positive to take from the Wake Forest game, I think you saw more out of Christian. Not different, not better, more. And I think that's a big difference when you're comparing the, the Dracovic area, if you will, to now the Bay Area. You've seen Christian take yeah. steps at minimum.
1: If they get that kid a burner, <laughs> like a wide receiver. Not like that a that Twitter can- burner. That can catch the ball and run some routes, get some separation. He's shown he can do damage because when Bub Means gets that separation, he's hitting him. Oh, yeah. And it's uh, that, that can be a weapon. And I, I do like some of what I'm starting to see develop there underneath.
0: Johnson, especially, is interesting in that regard. So I like Kenny Johnson. I like what I'm seeing from him. That was a really good touchdown catch. Yep.
1: Could be interesting. Hey, I don't got anything else. If you don't got anything else, brother, you can say it. All right. Like we always do H2P.